Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, Brandon Jarrell Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Oh, nothing much, Mike. Okay. Nice, short, and sweet. Um, ah! <laughs> and that third voice that you hear already cackling in the background is my father, Mike Golick Sr., because it is Friday. We know on Friday we tend to rotate two of our favorite guests and my dad and Stu Gotts, but... We figured that while this was technically Stu Gotts' week in the rotation, I'm out in South Bend. My dad's out in South Bend. Brandon will be out here shortly because we've got the first Golick Family Subpar Classic getting ready to go up on Monday, June 27th. And so we thought we would bring dad in here since this is a very Notre Dame weekend anyway, since you are right here and it makes our job markedly easier. So thanks again, dad, for bailing us out. Listen, I'm all about making a job easier. I'm just usually not the tool used for that. Uh, so, uh, but Thank that's you. okay. And and we are going to have- a- That tool is actually the Allen wrench, by the way. There you go. Stop it. The uh, We'll have a couple of DraftKings shows, right? Go Joe with you and Brandon and uh, and Jess Matana will be here as well. My partner for Golik and Smetty, she'll be here golfing. So, uh, I, Brandon, can you golf? That's a, that's a really good question. So you can't golf. <laughs> I mean, that was yet. that was a classic answer of someone who has no idea that, how to golf. That is true because I know Jess can golf. Like yes, I saw her yes, doing yeah. events with the Dan Levitard show and golfing. That's something that she's taken up and been doing. But yes. Brandon. Of the of you're right of the quartet of DraftKings slash Meadowlark employees here, you're going to be bringing up the rear golfing wise. Is that correct? Uh, I mean, it depends on the lessons I get. It depends on the coach, you know, g- going into it. If it's based on uh, practice, then yes, probably. But I feel like talent will set in at some point in time, and and I was shocking wow some certain people. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna take it slow. I'm gonna listen. I I've only done one full round of 18 holes. That was in Cherry Hill in in Fort Wayne, uh, one of the most beautiful courses in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, with John Goodman. So it's it's been a while. I'm quite quite rusty. I am planning on getting nine holes in before I, I see you guys uh, this weekend, though. Brandon, you're going to be horrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah. th- this isn't this isn't one of those things where you play one round every ten years and talent takes over. I mean, but, it's just not, not bowling. It's not going to happen. My advice: drink. Yeah. You know yeah, that okay. that may that may help because. Jess has, has always been, Mike, I don't know why you invited me. You know, it's not like I'm this celebrity. I said, you're in the media. People know who you are and stuff. And she said, but, you know, people are going to want to golf with Brady Quinn and they're going to get me. I said, listen, Jess, you know when that goes out the window? When you're hitting from the ladies' tee and you're smoking a drive down yep. the middle of the fairway, they are going to love playing with you in this scramble. <laughs> 
Exactly right. That's, you always need a ringer in the group, and certainly that can be a massive advantage. I am going to provide my group very little to nothing. So you're right. Jess is coming in immediate value add. Dad, you obviously come in with a ton of cachet. This is the tournament that you and really our family is putting on. So we're going to be kind of grandfathered into that. Brandon, he's right. You just got to get a little bit drunk, start cracking some jokes. I'd imagine knowing you, you're going to have some sort of ridiculous outfit planned, ready to go and shock everybody. So I feel like we can count on that. I feel like I, I went to the bookstore and got some uh, polos a couple weekends ago, and I think I haven't stopped eating since I picked them up. So the ridiculous outfit may just look like I have my polos painted on me. Um, but have you guys Ooh. already picked, selected the teams? No, no. Teams? That'll, okay, that'll be okay. done probably Saturday night, or I mean, or Sunday night or Monday morning. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and, and they'll have no idea, you know, when, when you go with your group, they'll, you know, assume because you're an athlete, you're good. And then, you know what? <laughs> Maybe you'll, Brandon, maybe you'll hit a couple of putts for him. You always have that, right? That okay. is true. Yeah. Easiest yeah. way to contribute. Yeah. And yeah. just good vibes. Like part of every golf tournament. And by the way, if you can't be there for the tournament and you're looking to support, we'd recommend anyone go and check out GolicSubparClassic.com. Tells you all about the event, the charities that it is benefiting. There are charities around the South Bend area. So if you're like us and Notre Dame's a place that's been good to you, the South Bend Center for the Homeless the uh, North, uh, Northern Indiana Food Bank, the Logan Center around here, and then the, uh, I believe it's the Humane Society in South Bend as well. So all those groups are going to get benefited here. You can find ways to donate at GolicSubparClassic.com. The live auction is also up, right? Excuse me, the silent, silent auction, auction is also up right now at Subpar on Twitter is where you can find the links to that. Me and my dad and everyone have tweeted it out from our social links. There's a ton of great items up for bid. Signed memorabilia from guys like Anders Lee, Zach Martin, Ronnie Stanley, Mike McGlinchey, Kyle Long and the Bears signed football. You've got packages for things like the uh, opener between Notre Dame and Ohio State. We also get a meet and Ooh. greet with the Bear, Chris Felica from College Game Day. There's a package for the Notre Dame-Ireland game now next year the Notre Dame BYU game in Las Vegas and a number of other things so really Damn. check those out some great causes some things you can get involved with dad am I missing anything on this administratively so, some good stuff and, and it's not and for those of you that you know shake your head because we're all domers it's not all Notre Dame stuff there are other uh, items as well that are not Notre Dame for you people that don't like Notre Dame and that's okay uh, there's over 50 items that you can bid on and you can bid until 10 30 on Sunday night. That's when it closes. So as Mike said, there's so much great either memorabilia or trips or experiences. Uh, it, it's been very cool, right? Quite honestly, right now. It's amazing. The only thing, you know, you always worry about weather in one of these for the party on Sunday night and the golf on Monday. In this, where we are in today's world, we're worrying about our celebrities making it in on their flights with all the flights that have been canceled over the, you know, the last couple of weekends, that's kind of what we're holding our breath on. But at this point, uh, it's, it's all a go. We think it's gonna, it's going to be pretty successful. And by successful, I mean, listen, we're not, we're not making excuses. We're trying to give them, raise as much money as we can. I know some people said, you know, we can't, uh, we're, they're online and we can't afford a lot of this stuff. I get it. And they said, can you do raffles? We're, we're going to look into all that stuff. There's, rules and legalities with raffles so we have to be careful with that you know this is something that unfortunately we just and not even unfortunately we're just not going to apologize for this is all about raising as much money as we can because all the money that we make on this tournament 
uh, is going is going to be split to those four uh, charities. So uh, we're looking to have a lot of them every year. So I'm sure it'll be tweaked from here to there. But um, one thing that uh, that will always will always be is this will always be at Notre Dame because Notre Dame has been such a big part of our life. Which is great, too, because no matter how drunk we get, then they're less likely to arrest us. Exactly us right. And we can Fair. walk home. I mean, Ooh, we can yeah. walk everywhere. It's yes. fantastic. Shout out to the Morris Inn. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So oh, I wait, I asked a question. I didn't realize flights were getting canceled. Does it have anything to do with gas prices? Is everything is that everything has everything to do with gas prices, with shortages on airlines, like Sh- shortages yeah, of, people- of pilots? I mean, wow. it's been a do you do, do you watch the news? Yeah, Brandon, Brandon have I you do. turned on a TV recently? A lot, like, I a understand lot of, you have young kids, but yeah, a lot of local stuff. You know what I'm saying? Louisville, Louisville keeps you updated. Okay. Well, they're obviously not keeping you updated very well because there are, are like thousands and thousands of flights that are being canceled, uh, especially on the weekend. So have you heard uh, the news? Gasoline no longer costs a nickel. And now all of a sudden they're having difficulty finding people to fly these planes. Have you heard? It's crazy. In other news, oh, down the street, it. you can buy bathtub gin. Oh, so- you know what? No, no, no. This is because you've watched uh, Civil War recently. You're not going to sneak that by me. You, you've heard the old-timey Captain America uh, well, voice I just from think Marvel. It's funny. And, and I just think that. it's funny that for a while, the only accent you could have in like 1920s to 40s America was the Mid-Atlantic accent. Like yes. no one had anything else. It was just that. And especially if you were going to read sensational news headlines, you could only read them with that Mid-Atlantic accent. So, And you do it well, Mike. I got to admit, you, you do play good. it off pretty well. Thank you. No, it's, a, it's my limited fake 1930s uh, newsman. So that's what I have to offer the universe at this point. So that's what we have to offer you guys on the front of official podcast business with the golf tournament. We also encourage you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Go look and Smeddy wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We have got a lot of other stuff that we get to talk about today, uh, Dad. So it's great that you're here because uh, we'll certainly get to what went on in the world of college football yesterday as a seismic shift it felt like in the world of recruiting went on around a university that may be feeling like it is very much back but um before we get to that the NBA draft was last night and it's interesting like none of us are basketball experts I think this is one of the drafts that may be harder to predict than most just because now in addition to overseas prospects that usually the general basketball watching public wasn't super familiar with unless you were really dialed into the coverage you now have guys coming from the G League Ignite leagues and other areas where they may be a little less familiar and just in the last couple of years the way it's been different with us watching college basketball coming out of the pandemic but just a rundown of some of the more noteworthy picks in the first round Paolo Bancaro the number one pick out of Duke despite all of the reports from Adrian Wojnarowski and other Mm -hmm. that Jabari Smith out of Auburn was looking like the number one pick all day. I have to imagine a lot of odds makers were thrown through a loop because usually that word is gospel. We get to draft night and all of a sudden we get reports right before that number one pick for the Magic that Paolo Bancaro has now surged ahead. The star out of Duke ends up going number one. Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga goes two overall to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And at three, Jabari Smith finally comes off the board for the Houston Rockets. Keegan Murray out of Iowa at four to the Kings. And Jaden Ivey rounds out the top five, the star out of Purdue. And 
son of Notre Dame women's basketball coach Neil Ivey, picked by the Detroit Pistons. So very exciting for them. But um, really the only thing I had to take away out of draft night was I was amazed that Chet Holmgren, who last time we saw him was drowning in a suit with so much material you thought it could hoist a circus tent. He's a very tall, lanky young man. He glowed up big time on this one. He was Gucci down to the socks, and I felt like it is never going to be easy for him to buy clothes that fit or look good. I thought he did pretty damn good last night. Yeah, I thought he did. There, there were some there were some nice outfits. Certainly, there were some outfits where you wonder 20 years from now if the player looks back and say, hmm, maybe he shouldn't have done that. Uh, don't know. Maybe they'll always just stick, stick with their guns and say that that was the right choice. You're talking but, about Mr. Bancaro, aren't you? Well, well there, there, there was... You Paolo know, so, yeah, Paolo so, Bancaro looked like the suit that they wear to track movement for video games. Yeah, it did. It had like the <laughs> like the, the the balls on it or whatever. I don't know what they were, but to, to talk about what you mean uh, with the video games. But some people can pull that stuff off, right? I mean, some people are just like, oh, yeah, okay, that works, you know, where, where we'd look like a clown. But the, uh, what I thought was interesting, because, listen, Woj is the man. There, there's just no denying that. But when he was talking about the possible switch of not being Jabari Smith number one and it being Paulo, that the GM for the Orlando Magic who had that pick pulled off such a great stealth move. And I remember turning to you, Mike, and saying, why do they why does a number one team have to make a stealth move? They have the number one pick. They're not competing against anybody. So why do you have to be secretive? Now, there may be something I'm missing. Certainly, there are many things I don't know. But just, I guess, on the surface, I found that kind of odd because you own the number one pick. You can shout it from the mountaintop who the hell you're taking, and nobody can do a damn thing about it. I'd agree. I didn't think there was much strategy that usually had to go into the number one pick other than maybe, like, I don't know if you were looking to bet it on the side and you were someone in that organization. Maybe you go in, like, essentially short Jabari Smith stock or something like that. But, uh yeah, no, I was a little confused on that one as well. It, like, also, it feels like wouldn't they be finding that stuff out from Woj? I feel like he yeah, knows that yes. way before any of the people inside these organizations do. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I that one kind of threw me a little bit. And then, listen, you always look for great stories in a draft, right? And this one just happens mm -hmm. to revolve around Notre Dame with Neil Ivy, the Notre Dame women's basketball coach, and you know, basically bringing up her son Jaden Ivy alone. Uh, even though uh, Jaden's father was at the draft as well, but just the story of them and, of course, of Niel's career of playing basketball and then coaching with Muffet at Notre Dame and then leaving and coaching at Memphis in 19 and 20 and, you know, help coach John Morant. And now her kid basically is being compared to John Morant. Let me tell you what, you get two John Morants in this league. What a league. This Jaden Ivey, I mean, Jay Bill has called him the best athlete in the draft and you watch the highlight reel on this kid. And he is, he is a born sports center, top 10 highlight the way he plays, but just a great story. I mean, he, he broke down like a small child crying in his mom's arms when he got picked. I mean, that was very, very cool. It's just, it's just really, really a great story. Was cool to see on the, on the 50th anniversary of title nine as well going into True. action for someone whose life had been so shaped in basketball and otherwise by women who had benefited from that change and that very necessary change. I love to hear him talk about what it means to be a South Bend native. Now is the first South Bend native to be taken in the, in the NBA draft in the first round. And just the importance of 
what Skylar Diggins meant to him uh, during the recruiting process and, and her obviously going to Washington, being from South Bend. It was just like you said, it was a, it was a great story, but it was especially special for the people in South Bend who knows how important that women's basketball team at Notre Dame means to the community in South Bend, uh, knows how much basketball means to the community in South Bend. So it was just really, really great to see. And to see it on this uh, big stage like that is, is really special. I guess we should note, since we're making all this talk about Notre Dame, and there may be those who don't follow basketball as much but like the stories, uh, Jaden Ivey went to Purdue. <laughs> he yes. didn't go to Notre yeah. Dame. Right. Uh, he, he's yeah. a Boilermaker. So I just, yeah. you know, I, I figured everybody thought, naturally assumed he was at Notre yeah. Dame, but no, he was not. Everybody's yeah, got downfalls. No. Yeah, we all we all make mistakes, but uh, no, certainly congratulations to him. Chet Holmgren was a name that so many. Uh, this is a draft that was super top heavy. Jay, Jay Billis even right. said on the draft once we got past five, this thing is now officially a crapshoot. And when that guy who knows that much basketball is saying that. It is a reminder of where this is because we had seen Chet Holmgren and what he had been. I, 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 Paolo Bancaro becoming the fourth player to go number one overall out of Duke to join, especially most recently, Zion Williamson and Kyrie Irving in the 2000s. None of that was really super surprising, I would say, and we know a lot of these organizations that we're talking about up top going to be very interesting. I think around the draft, as we look at some of the headlines that are going to continue to sort of populate in the NBA, we also saw a bunch of news yesterday pouring out around the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving, according to Woj, if he can't reach an e agreement to stay in Brooklyn, has a list of teams that he'd like them to consider on sign-in trades, including the Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, Heat, Mavericks, and Sixers, none of which teams have the cap space to sign him without the Nets' help. So they would need that. Uh, Shams was saying, sources saying Kevin Durant is monitoring the net situation and is considering options with his future. So this very quickly in Brooklyn seems to have gotten to an untenable place. And dad, I wonder how much of this, especially because we hadn't heard much out of Kevin Durant or his camp during this whole conversation about Kyrie Irving that had taken place this week. And you wonder if now Kevin Durant coming out and having that report emerge through Shams is a little bit of him flexing the muscle in public saying, if you don't want me to leave, Nets, you probably need to find a way to get this guy what he's looking for. Listen, there's no sport that we know of where a player has more power than the NBA, right? I mean, it doesn't matter the contract you have, whatever. If you, if you start bitching and moaning, if you start making waves, if you start acting and trying to get the things that you want and you're as powerful and as good a player as Kevin Durant, most likely you're going to get them. Now you're going to get them to this point. I mean, because I, I mean, how many people have you heard talk about Kyrie say, Oh, you got to give him the money. And then others saying, I would be so nervous giving this guy the money that he's expecting to get, um, you know, and, and, and wondering what's going to happen. Well, the one thing you know is going to happen at least, you know, we, we believe by the start of next year, we're not going to have to worry about the COVID playing at home, not playing, you know, only playing on the road thing. So he can technically play in 82 games next year, unlike this year where, where he chose to not and then chose to talk about how they lacked chemistry because they didn't play together. Okay. <laughs> two and two. I mean, are, are you kidding? Um, so, you know, at least to be able to play a full season. So, that would make me feel a little better about giving the guy his money. And we know when he's on his game, there, there's, there's not a, a better guy handling the ball 
in the league than Kyrie or, or right there in the team picture. So I, you know what, I, I would imagine they would probably want to lean more to giving it to him just for the fact that, you know, if you give him the money, you're going to probably, you're going to have Kevin Durant and you're going to have another shot. If you don't give him the money and he goes somewhere else, there's a good chance, you know, Kevin Durant's going to bigfoot his way out of town. And now let's be honest, you have zero shot because you're fighting the big boys in Boston and Milwaukee. You know, we know we saw what Miami did, but it's really Boston and Milwaukee. You're fighting those guys. And if you don't have at least that double barrel of a Kyrie and Durant, you don't have a shot. I just think that that if is too big for Kyrie, because he can be healthy enough to play a full season. It's a matter of, you know, if, if, if family's coming in for a birthday party, you know, if, you know, uh, not, and I'm not going to joke about it, but he's practicing Ramadan, like whatever the things may be that he decides that he wants to tap his head and, and not play, it's, it's what he does. So the re, it's just he talks out of both sides of his, his mouth uh, way too much, and I think he can get max money, but the max money comes with max contract and, and security, and I don't think he's going to get that because a team would be insane to give that guy uh, max contract length. Well, and that's what we talked about. We had Christian Winfield on uh, from the New York Daily News who said he thinks that he gets max money but not for the max amount of time, which might be the compromise necessary here to satisfy all parties. But I I just think right now a lot of the reports we're hearing are public pressure putting on – Uh, being put on this organization so that these guys get what they want. So that Kyrie and Kevin Durant get another year where I'm sure in their minds they're thinking exactly what Dad said. We will be done with the COVID protocols that will keep Kyrie from playing at home. Kevin Durant was injured for a lot of last year in a way that absolutely affected how this team goes. James Harden had to shoulder a lot of that load. There is part of me that for the first time in a while felt bad for James Harden who was out there having to answer for what everyone else had going on. And you have the wild card factor of, all right, Ben Simmons got a back procedure done at the end of this season. He is the wild card heading into next year of what you may get out of him. But at the very least, if you've got a healthy Kyrie Irving and a healthy Kevin Durant, and now you've got everyone satisfied financially with where they're at, maybe you give yourself the best chance. Because I know people talk about sunk cost fallacy, but I don't think at this point for a franchise who has staked so much of their relevance on bringing these guys in like it was a multi-year reap and harvest plan for them to get these two players cutting bait now feels like it would be disastrous for their long-term future see that's what I I agree with you I mean this was their plan so I get staying with the plan because I get what you're saying Brandon and a part of me that really agrees with you part of staying with the plan is being really freaking nervous crossing your fingers and holding your breath but it's still the plan because I'll go back to what I said before you got them both. You got a shot. You got neither or or one. You really don't. So it's a lot of money, you know. And, and again, obviously, what, what does he have till what is it June 29th, which is which is approaching uh, quickly yeah. to where he can opt in for the last year of the max deal. I think at right under thirty seven million dollars, or he cannot and be unrestricted next month and sign a new deal with the Nets or sign somewhere else or do a sign and trade. So. We'll have to wait and see, but I mean, if the Nets want to stay relevant in this thing in the East, they, it would be to to swallow hard, pay out a lot of money, and try and keep these two together. But I will say, Brooklyn doesn't have to look far to see what it looks like when you try to stick with the plan a little too long over there with the 76ers, the process, 
at some point in time, you gotta you gotta read the tea leaves <laughs> to bring back the Kyrie and make a make a decision based on your gut, your your chakra. 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 There's a, there's too many crystals in the room right now for me to make an accurate reading on what's going on. But I, I still think ultimately the simplest solution here is probably not what I should expect expect out of the NBA, but I have a feeling it's just going to be, hey, we saw Brooklyn last year, and I think that might give up most of how I feel about this. Brooklyn last year came out and tried to make a hardline stance on Kyrie Irving and said, we don't want part-time players. And then halfway through the year when injury and inconsistency started to mount up, they said, oh shit, we got a really good guy that can play half these games for us and maybe help us. And so immediately all of their conviction went out the window. I think this is going to be a similar situation where if we're playing a game of chicken, I think the Nets lose because they've already shown us that when push comes to shove, they're willing to lay down for talent because they understand they need talent the most. So that is the world of the National Basketball Association. Congrats to the young men who have made their way to the NBA through the draft. It's always a cool night and seeing that in the culmination of dreams. ESPN did a really good job with the intro video that kind of highlighted that. What it takes to get to those moments, which I actually think is a really interesting lens to look through this conversation around Arch Manning with because so much of this conversation and the attention paid to this young man has been and will prompt people to say all of this for a guy who hasn't played a down of college football yet but man as we have seen college football become such a pseudo professional league what you do as a high school prospect and the work that goes into that this is the first part of the reward and it could be nil at this point it could be the attention and accolades at this point but that is certainly a part of this process All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So, wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All that is being said because yesterday Arch Manning decided to announce his commitment to the University of Texas Longhorns. He had been very quiet. His family had purposely kept him out of a lot of the spotlight and conversation during his recruiting process. Because they knew, because the minute we saw a guy with the last name Manning come to high school and show some promise, we have been covering him like he was the LeBron James of high school. Maybe not to that extent, but shit, more people have been talking about this kid's recruitment for a long time than many folks that I can remember because that last name transcends so much. And he jumped on and his first tweet was, I am committing to Texas. And immediately we saw everything start to spread from there. So I guess first off, Dad, were you surprised at all that Texas ended up winning out on this one? Because the other names that we know were involved in this were Alabama, Georgia was involved in this also. Clemson was, LSU, uh, you know, was Ole Miss. I mean, you know, obviously where where Eli uh, and uh, Dad Archie went. Um, I, I think 
what they had the capability to do because you have such power in Archie, Eli, uh, Peyton, and certainly Cooper, who's this is the actual son of Cooper. Yes, yes. <laughs> let's, I let's, say, let's Eli are here. his uncles, not this his, is his uncles. Yes, <laughs> this is Cooper, the wide receiver. Uh, it's his kid. I and I ran and I ran into Cooper and his wife and Arch when I called uh, the second game of the season last year was Georgia in South Carolina in Athens. And so they were, I, uh, I saw Cooper on the sidelines. Uh, they had a ton of recruits there and Arch being one of them. Uh, and just kind of was talking with him about how the process, you know, was, was going with them. So I, I think when you have that kind of power, you're, what are you looking for? So what's a guy like Arch Manning looking for? He's looking for not only to go to a great school and have a chance to win, he's looking for the best possible way to prepare himself for the next level. That's what these top, top five stars, four stars, they're doing. Let me go play somewhere, may hopefully get a national championship, i.e. let's go to Alabama, you know, Clemson, things like that, uh, play a lot, and then know you're going to get drafted. So I think that went a lot into it. Sarkeesian, Sark, you know, the, the coach at Texas, quarterback guy, also coaching the NFL with a couple of teams, work with quarterbacks mm -hmm. in the NFL. So I think, and I know the quarterback coach at Texas had a lot to do with this as well. Arch, and he had a very good relationship. But Sark's ability, I think, to work with quarterbacks, especially a quarterback coming in this polished. Again, he's got a strong arm. He's more mobile than both Eli and Peyton ever were. He's like, you know, the Manning 2.0. Uh, and obviously has a great head on his shoulders for the game. So I think, Mike and Brandon, I think that was a big part of it. Okay, let's let's try and because you can because everybody wants you let's place you where we're think in your three years because let's be honest it's gonna be a three-year thing most likely for him in your three years unless they really need to redshirt him in your time there i'm gonna learn the best from a guy who really knows the quarterback position so not only do then do i finish college but then go into the nfl well prepared so, my question is does yeah. this move happen if texas doesn't move to the sec like, does the conference have anything to do with this decision making in your guys? Me, uh, me personally, I don't think so. But, but again, so by the time he gets there, uh, it, remember, but it, it's still you know these are underclassmen who are who are right. committing now. Time he gets there is when Texas is going to move Texas Oklahoma to the SEC. Brandon, I don't think so. I I think it's more about who's coaching him and going to help him over the next few years develop as a quarterback. I would say this too, for people that may be coming into this and don't follow college football recruiting as closely, that are wondering, is this hype all based off the fact that his last name is Manning? From the people who cover college sports and college recruiting, 24-7 Sports does a composite ranking, which is the consensus of where they rank in among the major recruiting services in any given year. There have been seven players since they started doing these rankings to have a perfect score, a 1.0 ranking. Linebacker Ernie Sims, Vince Young, D-tackle Rashawn Gary, D-tackle Robert Kimdiche, D-end outside linebacker Jadavian Clowney, and another quarterback in the Texas QB room, Quinn Ewers, and then Arch Manning. So there have been seven players since they started doing this that have been rated as high as Arch Manning is on this list right now. So that's where we come in context-wise. But the other part of that that I just mentioned is – Dad, you talked about 
what he's looking for. And I completely understand it with Sark. Like, Sark has worked with Tua and Mac Jones. You go all the way back to USC where he worked with Matt Leinart. Like, he's had a bunch of guys in there. He runs a grown-up offense because we know in college there's a lot of different kinds of ways you can skin a cat in this modern game. He runs the NFL-style offense that gives a quarterback a lot of looks at things that they're going to see at the next level. But he's walking into a quarterback room that right now has Hudson Card, who played games for the Longhorns last year, true freshman Malik Murphy, who was another highly touted quarterback, and Quinn Ewers, who was the transfer from Ohio State, who was the number one ranked quarterback in that class a couple of years ago. And immediately, Twitter does this awesome thing. When you see one thing trending, it gives you like the two or three other things that are trending with it. And when I saw Arch Manning was trending, it was Arch Manning, and then below it, also trending. Hook'em Horns, and Quinn Ewers. Because everyone immediately looks at this and goes, how does this stack up? I think Quinn is technically one year ahead of Arch or will have had the chance to be on the field for one year before Arch gets there. But then everyone immediately wonders, how is this going to work out? People assume this is the beginning of some sort of transfer portal ripple effect for this quarterback room. And that's the part that... And we've heard Quinn Ewers was actively involved in recruiting Arch Manning. I'm sure he is a high-level competitor who believes that. But this is kind of what I think modern recruiting is. What recruiting has always been, where we saw the USC teams of the early 2000s who would stack these quarterbacks. They would wait and start a year, and then they would go on to the NFL. They would wait their turn. Nowadays is you stack these rooms, and when you have the chance to recruit like Ohio State, Texas, and others, and say, we're going to get as many great quarterback prospects in here as we can. We're going to get here and let that all shake out and then to me the best part of the portal era is now we don't as a college football watching public have to wait for these guys to get on the field or risk them not getting on at all they can transfer and now all of a sudden you get situations like Justin Fields like Joe Burrow where certain quarterback rooms end up giving us starting college quarterbacks for like three or four teams in the coming years so you you could you mentioned the other quarterbacks in the room in Texas you could you could not even mention Archman. You could say he's not going to Texas, and those three quarterbacks aren't all going to stay at Texas for their time. Right, we, right. we know they're going to be in the transfer portal, or some will be at yeah, some yeah. point, depending on how it plays out. So it's just a matter of how you play the game, because this is also what it is. I mean, not only are these players in their locker room talking with their coach, but they have parents, they have people outside who they're talking to as well. And it's all about where do I fit in this piece of puzzle? Can I be the quarterback until Arch Manning gets there and Arch Manning is going to have every chance to be the guy and the starter? Doesn't mean he's going to. You know, Arch Manning wouldn't be the first all everything to come into a situation and, oh, by the way, have it not work out. But let's let's assume that it does work out. Then if you're the quarterback before he gets there, now your job is to I'm going to show my wares. It's almost like that NFL quarterback who is a veteran and they have the high draft pick and they know the high draft pick is going to play at some point. So the veteran who gets to play now is going, I better play my ass off for all the other teams out there that I may end up on. So that's what some of these quarterbacks will be playing for. If they assume Arts will come in and play well, some maybe will stay and say, you know what, I'll take my chance and I'll compete. But as soon as Arch Manning if and when, and let's for the sake of this argument, when he gets that starting job, that's when you'll see the other guys just disperse. But who gets to play before that, and how do they get to play to show their wares if they end up in the transfer portal somewhere else? 
Yeah, this is this feels very similar to what college football has always been in that regard of Gunner Keel. Like Notre Dame, we've experienced a bunch of uh, players that we've seen just, you know what, now I can leave because they clearly got their guy. But my question is, Where's where's the adversity going to come from? Is it going to be self-imposed for Arch because he's chasing starting positions or and all the rest of these quarterbacks, or like, or do you get that by staying in a quarterback room, fighting for a spot, and and proving proving who you are and what you can do at the first place you decided to go? That's overrated now, Brandon. I mean, is it, it just is. But yes, you know what? You want to go back to your time and my time. And everybody's saying, oh, these guys won't stay for the competition anymore. And, and, you know, there's part of me that gets that talk. And there's another part of me that gets you have five years, maybe six uh, with COVID, maybe seven when you get that next year. But let's say four to five years to try and get on the field. And so if you have to move around to do it, I'm not going to blame a guy for that because sometimes it hurts them. Sometimes you move right. too much and, and it can hurt them. But you know what? Let him have the choice. Let him have the choice. I'm not going to sit there and bang a guy and saying, oh, you should stay there, fight for that competition. Next thing you know, you're sitting on the bench for three years. You got one year of eligibility left. You're going, oh, shit, what do I do now? You know, so I, I, I while I can be an old school guy, I understand it. Because, listen, I, I lived in an era where you just battled. You battled for your spot. But now the, these players have choices. And I don't mind them making their choices. Sometimes, like I said, it backfires on them, but they have a limited amount of time to get on the field and try to show what they can do. That's all I'm saying is that I think perfection comes with consistency. And as a guy who had four defensive line coaches, what my four years at Notre Dame and three defensive coordinators, I, I just know that it, it's hard to reach your top ability. Obviously nowhere near where Arch uh, is going to go, but consistency and, and learning and understanding a, a, a program and learning how to implement what you've been coached means something. And I, and I do think that it, it would help someone who's in his level of development right now just based on age alone. Yeah, I, the one thing I will always say is quarterback's also such a different position because usually only one gets on the field. And before when we True. lauded all these things, you had to sit a year when you transferred. Now you don't. Now you got one time. Now with Quinn Ewers, it's a different thing. But for Arch Manning, we've seen too many tales now recently where quarterbacks have left. And with that change of scenery, with a different coach at a certain spot, have been able to develop quickly and then reap massive benefits from it at the next level in the NFL. So I, I, I think the adversity part for me is less a part of this conversation because we still have to see what you know all of these guys become as college players. We haven't seen Quinn Ewers on a field for any extended period of time. We certainly haven't seen that with Arch and won't even for another year unless he decides to reclassify. The other part of this that's super interesting to me is just looking at the situation at Texas because they went 5-7 and seven last year and lost to Kansas in the same year where the offseason that summer, them in Oklahoma, we have the announcement that they're going to be making that transition to the SEC. This player in Arch Manning is walking into this situation with this last name. He had the NFL's main Twitter account tweeting out a graphic. He didn't have them do this, but they did. With him, Peyton, and Eli that said Arch has next. He is walking in with that 
as the family pressure on this already and then walking into a place where we know Texas has not been the most stable spot for head coaching jobs. Steve Sarkeesian is in a place that is certainly, especially coming off last year, going to make you feel the heat sooner than later as they're getting ready to make that transition. Also, while we're in the NIL era. So this guy is walking into like big time Division one quarterbacks hardly have a normal college experience. In a lot of ways, that's really good, but in a lot of ways, that can also be wild for us to expect 17, 18, 19-year-old kids to be able to handle. So this is an insane amount of pressure that Arch Manning has also chosen, and it would have been that way anywhere, but had he gone to Alabama or Georgia, those other stressors are not there. You know Kirby and Nick are going to be there during the entirety of your college career. You know Mm. just by the nature of those programs you're going to have a shot and maybe there's the pressure to live up to those other quarterbacks but it's not near as much as what's going to happen if Texas does and very realistically could lose a couple of games in the first half of the season and now all of a sudden things are spiraling out of control oh absolutely without question for them then Oklahoma to step in the SEC and think they're going to be at the top of the food chain I mean they, they may be in the area but they also may not so the, the thing about ours though is This kid's had this pressure his whole life, though, right? I mean, as soon as he started picking up and playing the football, he was watching his uncles have, you know, Hall of Fame careers, you know, or seeing some of it. So, and then, so he he knew, he knew what his grandfather was in Archie. So, especially as he got older and as he got better, I think these players are just prepared. Now, he's in another stratosphere uh, of, of the name. But just with NIL and what comes along with it, by the time he gets to college, we'll be in our, what, third year of NIL. And God knows the bucket of gold that'll be waiting for him uh, at, at, this, at that juncture. But he is more, and his group of players and his class and that class is coming up, are more prepared for this than the first group or the second group. So they're going to be a little more used to us. And like I said, this kid's had this pressure from, you know, day one when he was going to be a quarterback. And they said, oh, you know, your uncles and your grandfather. Yeah, I know. But he just keeps slinging it and keeps slinging it. So I I think he knows exactly what the bright lights look like. Now, the bright lights get even brighter in college, no doubt about it. So we have to wait and see. Well, and and I would say this, because while I'm not comparing myself to Arch Manning, I know what it's like to walk into a similar venue as someone who has made a lot for themselves with the same last name, and in my case, the same first name. But also, like, what you brought up, being used to that matters. Like, I've talked to other people who have, when they've gotten into media, talked about that adjustment of constantly being in the fishbowl and people paying attention to you. And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, Mike and Mike was massive in 2001 when I'm in 6th and 7th grade. And we kind of got used to the fact that our lives were on display and that good or bad, everything you did was going to be under a microscope. So those are things that, because Arch Manning has grown up around this, he'll absolutely be prepared for. Like, that stuff is real but it is I think dad the football part is going to be easy it's I think the situation at Texas makes it really unique because there are stressors there that long predate Arch Manning in the modern Mm. era of Texas football in the last few years yeah all all Texas have been saying is every other year we're back we're back and then Matthew McConaughey has to explain why they're not back after he thought they were going to be back so uh you're right and, and you're right about Georgia and Alabama. You know who those coaches are going to be 
And in Texas, it certainly hasn't been this way. Sark has to be breathing an unbelievable sigh of relief. And at the same time, knowing that they better win. And oh, by the way, now they have to win in the SEC. So, man, it, it, it's I would, and it probably would be anyway, way more pressure on Sark probably than Arch. Right. Yeah, no, that's absolute. That's absolutely where this sits, and, and I think it makes it super interesting. The other thing, and we've said the phrase a couple of times on here, but the NIL dollars that we assume are waiting for him, but that right now and in the initial run of reaction to this, and maybe this is because I'm so – still holding on to what we saw play out between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban and really just the reaction to that Texas A&M class in general where as soon as Texas A&M was talked about for that number one class, the rumor mill started that they had paid for the entire class and it was a 30-plus million dollar class. Like All of that started to leak out there. We know since Jimbo Fisher has disputed it and there really hasn't been any tangible proof of any of that. But I was amazed, and maybe this is a testament to just how tight-lipped the Manning camp has been through all of this, is, or maybe even just the kind of presence of the Mannings in all of this, that that might not be a family you want to be on the wrong side of, is... In the initial run of this news, there were not even whispers that I saw in the public discourse, in the articles written, in what I saw online, throwing out any sort of like arbitrary numbers or people trying to put a ballpark because now so much of what we've talked about with NIL has been people accusing teams of using that as an enticement for recruiting. And if you looked at Texas's situation record-wise and the situation that program's been in relative to some of its competition in recruiting for Arch Manning, it would, I think, be an easy spot for a lot of people to, in a day and age where throwing out NIL-based accusations is pretty easy, it looks like it would be a pretty easy spot for people to say, well, he's only going there because he was offered X, Y, or Z dollar amount. We all assume he's going to make a lot of money, and I'm not here to accuse Texas of any sort of dollar amount, but I just found it real interesting that in a time where that is so in vogue and such a big part of the conversation it really wasn't in the release of this news around arch do we think that 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 mike it could be the fact that arch manning is the number one recruit and no matter where he went it was just a matter of how much so maybe it wasn't even worth the oh he was getting this much here well shit he could have got close to that anywhere else anywhere he went he was going to get he is going to get millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. So it, it almost feels fruitless to throw out accusations because everybody was going to pay him. You can't tell me one team that was heavily and in the recruiting. If there were really like, say, five teams that were in it, that all five of them didn't have some kind of dollar amount ready to go, right? So, yeah. you know, maybe this just wasn't, well, he's going to get the money somewhere. So, you know, what? Why are we going to bitch about it? Because he's going to make that money somewhat. I think that's a factor in it. But I also think a variable that is brought into why it's not being talked about is because he's a Manning. Not necessarily is like, oh, he doesn't need the money. It's more so, I think, everyone because of his last name and who he is and the position he's playing. There's a lot of other factors that are playing or at play that you would think that his uncles and his dad are forcing his grandfather's forcing on him outside of that dollar amount so I think a lot of these uh it's cool for us to speculate for all these other players like oh the only reason they're going there is because because the money because the 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 purse that's that's that waiting on them it's like yeah that's so easy for us to say just because you know we don't want to can't wrap our minds around why 
ex player decided to play for this small program, uh, Jackson Smart. State. But but in this particular instance, I think I think the family has a lot to do with it. Not not necessarily muddying up the name, which may be a part of it. You know, there's that. But I do think that people think that there's much more at stake and much more on the plate of why he's going to Texas outside of the dollar amount. Well, I think the family, by all accounts, has gone through pretty great lengths to make sure that this wasn't some sort of pressure for Arch to feel like he had to go to any of these places, to think that Tennessee and Ole Miss were places he was somehow beholden to because of that family name. Like, pulling up, it is it, it was wild for me to think about this last year. I called a game at Oxford for the first time at Ole Miss when they played Tulane. And going down there, you drive up and you head over to the football stadium and you drive past buildings with the Manning name all over it down there around athletics. It has got to be so daunting. Like, there's another level to this that they occupy that meant they had to put some guardrails up around this recruiting process and really try and block out as much of the noise as they can. And that's the advantage of having relatives that have gone through that process at the highest level, which means you can get a roadmap for how to do this. Again, this is what I always talked about with Dad, is I had a roadmap for the things that I wanted to do. This guy has been handed an incredible roadmap that I think pushed a lot of that to the side. So again, I can understand what we've talked about with Sark that makes perfect sense. He is a guy that is a legitimately noted quarterback developer in an offense that is incredibly quarterback friendly, that's got pro concepts in it. I was just, I was more amazed that it wasn't something that people use to throw mud at Texas because that seems to be what we do now in the NIL era when it comes to this is use it as some sort of accusatory thing rather than what you just said dad it's a part of the process now and if you have the ability to go out there and play the game if that was a part of Arch's recruiting I wouldn't begrudge Texas for it just the same way I wouldn't have begrudged Texas A&M if everything people had said about it is true because having wealthy alumni has always helped you recruit in these areas and and remember we're not even a year into NIL right I mean it's it's happened last July so we're in like the, just coming up on a year of it so think about it in two three years this won't even be a conversation right It'll just be the next guy going somewhere and making a lot of money. And also in the next two or three years, we may have more guardrails up. We don't know if we will, but we may, you know, or we may have some rules in place. God knows that they'll ever be enforced if they get broken or not, but it's going to, it's going to be a different landscape in two or three years, at least as far as the conversation is concerned. Or move back to the quiet conversations that it was for so long for those top tier players always, you know, where it's not, in the print or it's just kind of whispered uh in locker rooms it's funny it still kind of is because we really don't know much about all these contracts mm. i am glad it took us towards the end to get to that conversation about it because it's a good reminder that while it is certainly i'd imagine going to be a big part of recruiting going forward if things persist as they are I can't imagine it was the only thing considered in all of this. So maybe there's some allure to being the one to potentially bring a program like Texas back. When you talk about the competition aspect of it and the way that some guys are wired, maybe there is some of that. Maybe it's as simple as the coaching, them talking about having the relationship with the quarterback coach there and what he meant in the recruiting process, right. or, or maybe it's something else, but either way, a massive swing, like in this arrow, 
certainly for Steve Sarkeesian, the biggest thing that's happened for him at Texas so far could absolutely be one of those things that now helps them build a class around him. Because we all know when you go through recruiting, you're looking for a guy to play Pied Piper for the class. You're mm -hmm. looking for that recruit if you're not at one of these places that's an absolute factory like Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, these other places. You're looking for the guy that you can rally around and say, oh, this program changer is coming here? Well, now if I'm Texas, who I don't think has a top 300 receiver in that recruiting class, now all of a sudden are you a guy that wants to go because you would know, all right, I'm going to have a solid guy throwing me the football when I get there. That's the kind of thing that's going to be fun to watch now from here on out for this Texas recruiting class is how does this change the outlook for them and the trajectory for them because of the seismic force around this player? And oh, by the way, Sark's Texas lifeline just grew a little bit. <laughs> he, oh yeah, he's, he's got got a little more time now, right? He can he can go home and breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. Say, okay, I, I probably have a little more time. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat. Boston fans we feel a little bit more confident about the situation you can decide right now and if you're new to DraftKings you can also check this out new customers can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Gojo that's code Gojo for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. That That is going to be the interesting part because you do also wonder if it's sort of like the, well, college, college recruiting is so different than the NFL, where in the NFL, once you draft a rookie quarterback that's got something expected of them, your clock starts right in college. Mm. There is always the fear of if I make a change too soon, especially now, do I risk the players that we've worked so hard to get on campus here departing and going somewhere else because we have now destabilized what's going on here. Also just shout out to Sark real quick. Cause he's had his troubles. He's had, there's a reason why he's bounced around for a little bit and he's had trouble staying and for him to get in a head coaching position again at this point. And to land this pot of gold, like that's that says a lot to how he still how much he still can coach at this point in time in his career. We've always known Sark, I, I think, can coach. Now, head coaching is different than being an offensive coordinator. Right. You mentioned right. Sark has fought some very real off the field demons, and that's something that we hope continues to stay away for him. You know, just rooting for the person we want to mm -hmm. see everyone be healthy and get to accomplish the things that we do but uh yeah happy uh texas is back day to everyone yeah. who observes <laughs> yeah you know what don't texas fans don't ever let the outside world steal your joy go all the way through this shouting your back in our faces we'll all be waiting around to see what happens everyone will have the kansas game circle but don't let people steal your joy shout <laughs> texas is back Replay that old clip. Live your truth in this moment because you have won the day so far for the hearts and minds of a quarterback recruit we've been talking about for a long-ass time. 
we have also been talking for a long ass time. So, uh, dad, thanks for joining us yet again on this Friday. We know we doubled up for you. The, uh, check will be in the mail at some point here. No processing yeah. Don't going lie. on. Don't lie. Don't like, lie. Next, not comes be back next week where, you know, we'll, we'll try and make you whole by that point in time. So it just takes a few business. Are, are you going to, are you going to put two gots two weeks in a row or still do him one? And then I got to come back the week after again. Mm. Well, I, Two weeks in a row is one thing. You've done two episodes this week thus far. So we're trying to see if we can squeeze the third free week, free day out of you before we talk about that. But yeah, I mean, Stu Gotts going back to like Fridays is nothing compared to you having you multiple days in a week. Brandon, all I have to say is uh, you have my number, lose it. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you this weekend, my friend. Can't wait. I'm going to suck it up. Your game's going to suck. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That Texas Notre Dame game, I just looked at that final score. I I, I forgot at 50-47. Oh, well, really? game. Brandon, you can, you, can, game. you can leave this in because this is my only real Notre Dame Texas story. When that game was going on, it was the first show. We were getting ready, uh, doing like a pre-production meeting the week before our first show. Me, Jason Fitz, and Elka Sadegi were going to be on a college football Monday show at ESPNU down in Charlotte. And I remember we went over to our producer's house, Baron. We were sitting around talking, having dinner with him and his family. It was lovely. And the Notre Dame-Texas game was starting. And we got through a first half into the third quarter. And during that game... I looked up to them and I said, guys, I have to go home because this <laughs> game is close and I don't want you guys to see who I really am. Because like I, I always thought I would stop being this kind of Notre Dame fan after I played and realized that like as a fan, I have no control. No, I let them ruin my life. And so I went back to my hotel and I will not say what hotel as to like, you know. Oh, is this the, yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yes, I got back to the hotel and when that gigantic quarterback dove over the end, dove over oh. the goal line for that two point conversion that won Texas the game, I had the remote control in my hand <laughs> and I took it and I immediately threw it straight ahead of me into the wall, shattered it into a thousand pieces, immediately realized the error of my ways, and then just tried to like pile up the pieces to kind of look like a remote on the nightstand furthest from the door so that by the time I was long <laughs> gone, they wouldn't have time to figure it out. Oh my, yeah, you are, you are tough to watch a Notre Dame game with. You really are. It's not cute. No, no, it is not. No, it is not. Texas is back. (laughs) Thanks to dad for giving us two straight Fridays. Now that he's gone, we can stop lying about eventually paying him for this. But Brandon, you know what we get paid to do? Ooh. No. Brandon. Oh, oh, I know. It's like this and like that and like this, Anna. It's like that and like this and like that, Anna. It's like this and like that. The third. All right, that was something. We'll see. We'll see if it's something that we repeat. All right. We will will see. Brandon's in the kitchen cooking. We'll wait and see what that happens. In the meantime, (laughs) we will get to this, that, the third, Brandon. And, uh... We didn't get to this yesterday, but the Colorado Avalanche got a win. Uh, overtime victory, 3-2 against the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 4 to take a 3-1 lead in this series. As it shifts back, they will have a chance to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup in Denver when I this goes down. You. I told you, Mike. I told you, Mike. I what told did you, you. What did you tell me? 
Them cold weather cities about to have that Stanley Cup in their grasp. That's what I told you. That's what I told you. Well, that Stanley Cup in their grasp did not come without a little bit of controversy at the end of game four. So we got to overtime, and it was all Colorado in that overtime. They were overwhelming. The lightning looked gas, and uh, Nazem Kadri had the game-winning goal in overtime, but it came when after review, and the goal was wild in itself. Kadri puts this thing in, and it gets stuck in the top of the netting. As he goes down, there's a line change. He gets it on a fast break, hits it, and it gets caught in the top of the net. So right away, the officials weren't really sure. No one was really sure. Colorado was the first ones to start celebrating as that went on. And then finally you hear the horn sound. The officials go over there and say there's a goal. As they look back at it, the Tampa Bay Lightning and their coach, John Cooper, was spitting bullets after this game, thought it appeared pretty clearly to them that there were too many men on the ice for the Colorado Avalanche. And Brandon, you made note that this is a big moment for you in learning about some of our friends of the podcast. Yesterday was the first time I don't think I was watching a too many men on the ice. No, I was watching a too many men podcast clip and I was like, wait a minute. Hockey, too many men on the ice. It's the call. It's the call. The podcast is named after the call. I thought it was just like a general, like just true statement. There's too many men, but it's, it's specifically about hockey. I mean, it's a double entendre. I know it is. I know it is. But like, that's why it hits on so many levels. It's like a little Wayne bar. Like I, I got it years later. So Shana, Shana Goldman and our Brandon, the best way I had this explained to me, because I always look to our hockey loving friends for things like this is calls like this. And the NHL came out and said such after the game was that this is a judgment call on the ice. This is something that's at the discretion of the officials to call there. To me, it was explained that it's a lot like holding in football, where realistically, you could call that on a vast majority of plays. And I think we saw in a number of spots in overtime, the whistles get swallowed as it starts to get later in the game here. We hear this all the time in postseason sports when you want to see it decided by the players on their particular playing surface. But I think in this one, those things, I'm going to take the word from a couple of others and say those things happen so quickly. And if you wanted to really go over it with a fine tooth comb, you probably could call that more often than not. But I'm going to choose to think incredible play. I am going to choose to also notice what I saw for the rest of that overtime, which was that was not some fluke thing where Tampa Bay lost after dominating that whole fe- whole period. I know puck luck and hockey is a real thing, but that was an overtime Colorado was on the verge of winning basically from the onset. And in that moment was able to put it away. So congrats to the avalanche Brandon's hope for a cold weather city, getting to hoist Lord Stanley's cup remains alive as they look to give this thing, the gentleman sweet treatment when it gets back to Colorado, Brandon, let's get to that though, because we talked about this the other day on -hmm. the podcast, Uh, Tyree kill and his comments on his podcast. uh, It needed to be said, where he brought up the Patrick Mahomes comparisons and all the things that have went on there. And this is always the difficult other side of this, because while we talked about said disagreed with uh, Tyreek Hill going about this, the way that he did, it seemed like it was very driven for clicks and it just seemed frankly inaccurate on a lot of fronts. It seemed like it was needing a little bit more in the way of attention than we thought was necessary. 
But Tyreek Hill came back out on the next uh, episode of his podcast and said on social media, he every every social media account I own, he said, I got death threats on. And he said, I just feel like a lot of people overreacted for no reason. They really didn't see what I said. A lot of people are just acting off emotion, he said on Tuesday. We all know Patrick Mahomes is great. We know that. But right now I'm going into a new season with a new quarterback who's trying to head in that same direction as Patrick and do great things and lead this team to a Super Bowl championship, who is also great, in my opinion. He just doesn't have the accolades of yet. I believe in him. Like, Brandon, first and foremost, don't send death threats to people online for something they say on a podcast, especially something right. in a podcast that's about something as really ultimately unimportant as who's the best quarterback in the National Football League. That's right. a moment where we've all got to pump the brakes on that. And by we all, I mean you weirdos on the internet who do that kind of shit. Because we've had right. friends who that's happened to. And that stuff gets real. Like, we had friends who got death threats in college for things that happened on the field. And yeah. now you've got to get very real-life security involved. And in the case of Tyree Kill, he certainly worries about his family. We can have other conversations about that because that's a loaded subject with him. But all that is to say, don't send death threats to people online, you maniacs. You're a loser and a terrible person if you do that. Now, the other part of this, though, with Tyreek Brandon. Mm-hmm. The way he's painting this picture isn't, to me, totally accurate. Whoa, 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 whoa. You got to take the man at face value. I was ready to give him some credit, but talk your shit. When he says, we all know Patrick Mahomes is great, I'm just on a new team with a quarterback who I believe in, that was one part of his comments, but the part that most people, I think, took issue with was him coming out and saying, I want Andy Reid. I want the coach in there to know that when Tyreek's not out there, things are going to be different. And for him to tell right. Pat, hey, Pat, it's going to be a long day. So much of that conversation, not only in what was said, but in the tone and the way in which it was said, ended up feeling like sour grapes. Someone who thought he didn't get the credit he deserved out of that trio in a way that listen, whether he said it explicitly or not, was a bit of a shot at Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, basically saying, you guys benefited from me a lot more than you assumed. So I think Tyreek is kind of picking and choosing what part of this he wants to address there. It doesn't take away that the end result shouldn't be death threats. But to me, it's also like, all right, all right man, like we don't have to go back and totally rewrite what was happened here. Well, I think the, the it stems that the end result was what he said here. And that's why I'm glad he revisited this and let us know about the death threats just so he can speak more words about this specific topic. And what I heard from him that I liked was the fact that he was actively gassing up his current quarterback. He's gassing up to it. He says, I believe in him. I believe he's, he can be as good as my former quarterback, which may be as blasphemous as anyone else, uh, as anything else that he's, he said, but the fact that he says he believes in him and he's trying to help him accomplish what he helped Patrick Mahomes accomplish. Now, he didn't say these words directly, but he did in, in a roundabout way, in a Tyreek Hill way that he communicates, say these things. And that's why I like it, because he's just he's just coming out and saying, yes, I was with arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league, top two, and he's not two. That's a quote from Tyreek Hill talking about Patrick Mahomes. He's trying to get people to see Tua in that same light because of his play, because Tyreek Hill is so narcissistic that he thinks people are talking about Mahomes that way because he was a wide receiver. 
on the Kansas City Chiefs. Brandon, I agree with you on gassing up his current quarterback, but he could have said that about Patrick Mahomes on the podcast before all these glowing terms, and he didn't. So you're right. Maybe now as he goes forward, he gets to correct some of the things he said. Lord knows we have done it on this podcast before. I'm just saying we don't have to go back and contain it like he completely didn't do anything that could be misconstrued as a shot at Patrick Mahomes or the Chiefs on that prior podcast. Part of the game. It's part of the game. It's part of the game. And he is getting the clicks and the attention that he wants out of it. So maybe we're the idiots on this one because he is still going to go out and have the same effect on his football team this year. True that. Brandon, let's get to the third, though, because this was a wild story uh, out of the world of swimming. An American artistic swimmer was dramatically rescued by her coach after she lost consciousness and sank to the bottom of a pool during an international competition. The incident occurred Wednesday at the FINA World Aquatic Championships in Budapest where the um, Anita Alvarez, a 25-year-old, had just completed her performance in the women's solo free routine when she started to sink. Her coach, Andrea Fuentes, immediately jumped into the pool, fully clothed to save her. In photos, the 39-year-old retired Olympian is seen swimming to Alvarez in order to bring her to the surface of the pool. There, she's joined by another swimmer. She said, I jumped into the water again because I saw that no one, no lifeguard was diving in. I got a little scared because she wasn't breathing, but now she's fine, they told the paper according to the Olympics. She's uh, Fuente also spoke to Good Morning America overnight and said that when swimmers finish choreography, you really want to breathe. And she added athletes hold their breath for a long time. So this is a scary situation, but I will say it happening around a group of former Olympians and current high level athletes in that pool feels like about the safest place for this to happen even though yeah. the like uh, i always did laugh at the notion of a lifeguard around situations like this around people who are incredibly gifted swimmers but right. this spot underscores the needs for such thing and i'd imagine that lifeguard is going to have a hard time showing up to work the next day after getting actively called out by the former olympian and coach who had to jump in and act on their behalf yeah and that, i think because of him he or she the lifeguard recognizing where they were probably the reason why they was not as clued in as they should be which is a a travesty now you said artistic swimmer i had to look it up that's synchronized swimming i know you mentioned synchronized swimming earlier but just want to let everyone know that is what an artistic swimmer does they're uh, with their group making those uh, beautiful little things in the water but have you ever been saved by have you ever fallen in the pool and had to have been saved uh, no, I never needed someone to save me in the pool. The only time I had someone come to my rescue when the lights went out on me was the summer of my fifth grade year. I was in the band and I was learning how to play the alto saxophone and I had not yet mastered the breathing on that. And so in the middle of playing the saxophone with a group of other guys, I all of a sudden started to see those black dots come down and I passed out playing the saxophone and my music teacher grabbed the saxophone, which was attached to the neck loop around me to basically keep me from falling straight backward on my ass. Wow. Thank God for people cluing in too. And also, uh, what is it? What is the term I'm looking for? Uh, when I'm you showcase huge, something. 
I'm no, a huge are. I'm a huge loser for passing out well, while playing the saxophone. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you said band, and I was going to let it ride because we we love our well, band here. At Notre by the Dame. way, you're not a loser for being in the band. Being in the no, band is dope. I didn't say passing that. Passing out when playing that. a musical instrument in the fifth grade is kind of weird, though. Yes, I didn't say it. telegraphing is the word I was looking for. You're telegraphing that you needed help, and that's why your your your, your teacher was able to save you. Uh, I was actually saved. My grandmother. We were in Disney, Disneyland, Disney World in Florida. Took a Greyhound down there when we were kids. Just me, my grandmother, my brother, and my aunt and auntie. Um, my brother was playing in the in the big pool with the kids, and I Did was. Did you mad. code switch, aunt? Because I was around. I, I well, I code switched for you, and then I just for anyone else who was listening, I wanted them to know I was actually talking about my auntie, um, and not not uh, my aunt or aunt. Um, I love having this conversation with your brother, by the way. Anyways, um, yeah. So, anyways, I my brother was playing with the bigger kids. I think I was six years old, and the only the only pool that I could get into was the hot tub. You know, six years old, and kids like you know, you know, be in the hot tub all day long. So I'm over there around, like in the deep end, just kicking. You know, when little kids get around the big kids, like I'm not I'm not in the pool with y'all, but I still want to be play with y'all. Well, a ball went loose on the on the deep end of the pool where they weren't. They were all playing in shallow end. I kicked it and slipped, fell right in the deep end, went all the way to the bottom, six years old, didn't know how to swim, didn't even know how to float. I don't even know if I was fat enough to float properly at that point in time. My 56-year-old grandmother dove in, pulled me out, uh, got my got my shit together, had ice cream that night. Uh, but it was scary. It was scary. And I uh, shout out to my, my grandmother who was passed, but she's always been my angel. So I, 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 I sympathize with those who have seen the bottom of a pool. Well, listen, we are glad that Anita Alvarez, they checked all her vitals. She was fine in this situation. And we're glad you survived that situation. Brent, shout out to your grandma, by the way, an absolute G 56, just oh, yes. snapping into action there saying it was her time to shine. Call yeah, your own probably, number, grandma. Right. She's probably looking at me the whole time. Like his little ass going to fall in that pool. She was right. <laughs> Now, this is a, like a, another caveat here for the, both of us who grew up larger around pools. Mm -hmm. Did you wear your shirt in the pool as a kid? Did I wear my shirt in the pool? I, I, I think I remember the date and time I didn't. Like the day I was like, no more. No more <laughs> sleeves. No more wet sleeves. <laughs> really? Because really, unless you're wearing a black tee, like that shirt's sticking to your skin. It, it ain't doing nothing for nobody. It ain't it's doing nothing for nobody. Not doing today for you. Today I shed my outer lining and I reveal the glory within. You're right. It's such a and because like I did the same thing, man. Where like you're like, oh my god, like you know, I, I fell in the pool before and it was on, so I didn't want to take it off. And like I'm gonna be in here for a while, so I might as well. Like you don't realize you're not doing yourself any oh, favors man, because no. it clinging to your weird young oh. prepubescent pudgy body is not doing your prepubescent pudgy body any favors. And that's when the first time you realize just how nice girls are. Because I've seen a lot of like charity smiles at my my shirt sticking to my my swim my <laughs> pool shirt sticking to my body in the pool and they just as nice as they can be just like oh brandon ain't ready yet no he's not he's not nope. he's y'all ain't, ain't ready for this jelly either boy listen boys mature at a much slower rate than their female counterparts yes. those are facts and it bears itself nowhere out more clearly than at public pools as a youth as we're out here just clinging to whatever shirt we walked into the party mm -hmm, with. So mm -hmm. shout out to shout out to our fellow chubby kids. If you are a chubby yes. kid that happens to be listening to this podcast, 
We love you. We appreciate you. Take your shirt off at the pool, man. Do it. You yes. know, actually do whatever's comfortable for you. Yes. You're going to come to it on your own terms. You're Thank going you. to figure out in your own time period what comfort looks like for you on that spot. But just know we've been there with you. We have been in the literal trenches on this one. Right. And it gets better on the other side. You're going to come it, out of this okay. It gets better. And also, people ain't thinking about you as much as you think they are. Mm. Right. If you think about yourself, they will because you're putting your energy towards yourself. And if they are thinking about you, then they thinking about themselves a lot more than they're thinking about you. And they just trying to uh, push to push the hate off on you. So just, you mm. know, what I'm saying read, read some Dr. Phil. But I don't know about clapbacks because you just kind of got to take those. But just know, just know when the hate is coming your way. It's, it's just love mis, misguided. And, and, and also, fuck them. Yeah, exactly. Just start lifting weights and get good at football, and that stuff all changes yes. really quickly. So really quick. uh, for all of our fellow people that have skated into the water with a shirt on, we see you and we appreciate you. And we appreciate everyone who's made it this far on the podcast. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Tell us if you kept your shirt on in the pool as a kid and if you remember the moment where you finally shed that outer lining. We'd appreciate it. We appreciate you. Everybody, have a great weekend. Again, check out GolicSubparClassic.com to find out how to help the great causes around South Bend that we're looking to benefit over this weekend. Check out the silent auction items that are up for bid at Golic Subpar on Twitter. And have a great weekend. We love you. We'll talk to you Monday.